Alright. Yes, we are. Oh, nice. Okay. I believe our week has started on a good note. Yesterday, I was personally happy to see justice on the side of the George Floyd's family, friends, family, and loved ones. It's important. It's important, amen. If the, if the verdict was not read right, I'm sure it would have affected her. I'll be talking tonight, honestly. Because <laughs> we saw an ugly turn of events. I've never seen anything like what we saw last week. This killing sparked a protest in 50 states. I mean, I've been, America, I've been in America for some time. I followed the news remotely. I've never seen anything like what I saw last year. 50 states protested and 18 countries worldwide, including Germany. That's even surprising. You know, for a whole Germany, the whole country of Germany to go on protest in, in German language. Talking about you, that's that said a lot. Even my own country, Ghana, they did a funeral, which I found funny, but uh, talk about that later. <laughs> I've never seen anything of this magnitude. But after the verdict was read, you know, I remember this scripture. I think it would be good to read this scripture because um, it fits, it fits to everything, the climate and the context in which we are in. Amos chapter five, verse twenty-one to twenty-four. Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 24. I hate, I despise your feast days. Now, this is not a man talking, mind you. This is not Amos talking. This is not an enemy of Israel talking. This is God himself talking. God says, I hate. I hate, I despise your feast days. God loves feast. That's why the book of Leviticus is written. There are many feasts that the Jewish people had to observe. There were seven feasts of the year that they had to observe. Some of them are the Tabernacle of Feasts, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, uh, Passover, and all those things. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. For the past two weeks now, I've been talking about the church. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That means he takes pleasure when the saints of God gather together. But now here is God saying that I do not even like your sacred assemblies. Yet God commands us that we should meet together. He doesn't like the, the feast days. He doesn't like the gathering of the saints. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. I thought in Malachi chapter 3, this same God told Malachi to tell the Israelites that you people have robbed me. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Now here in Amos, the people are bringing the offerings and the Lord says, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. God delights in praises. You read the last chapter of Psalms. David talked about it. Praise the Lord with a string instrument. Praise the Lord with a harp. Praise the Lord with a melody. And even if you don't have any of these things, if you have just breath, praise the Lord. God delights in praises. But the Lord is saying that even if you praise me, I will not accept it. Take it away. The noise of your songs. I will not hear the melody of your string instruments. Why? Read on. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So, 
We pray for America. It's, it, it's on a long road to racial reconciliation and healing. It's a long road. This is just the first of many baby steps. Amen. So I hope we are encouraged. Uh, racism is a sin. If you're a Christian, you should condemn it outrightly. Amen. Uh, justice has to reign. Righteousness has to run. When I talk about righteousness here, we are not talking about the New Testament's definition of righteousness. Righteousness here yes, means right doing, right doing. You know, but justice, right doing, has to prevail. If it doesn't prevail in a society, no matter our secret gatherings, our offerings, and everything that we do, uh, it's not pleasing to the Lord. Amen. So I pray for the, the family of George Floyd, especially, that at least they will have some closure to this. I mean, giving me $27 million, what does that do? It helps, but a life is worth more than that. But I think this will really bring closure. And pray for healing for anybody who has been subject to any sort of racist abuse. Amen. So church, it's our duty to pray and uphold the nation, the society in which the church is in, in prayers so that we can be better representatives of God. We have to be the salt and the light of the world. And part of the reason we can be the salt and the light of the world is when there is something wrong in the society, we have to lift up our Christian voices and say it's a strong and speak truth to the situation. Amen. So it's good. Anyway, I'm glad to come to you tonight. Last week, we looked at the benefits of justification from the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 5. Amen. And uh, we talked about five benefits. We said that we have peace with God. We have access to God's grace, and I explain the meaning of grace in that context. Loving kindness, goodwill, and favor. We talked about we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Um, we are safe from the wrath to come. I think I like that one. People have to know that there is something called the wrath of God. It's a real thing. All right, Romans chapter 2 is there. Romans chapter 1 is there. Now, God will not descend his wrath because of the appeasement of his son, Jesus. That's not going to happen. But there's something called the wrath of God. And the fifth thing, we have been reconciled to God. Amen. So tonight we'll wrap up the last nine verses of this chapter, starting from verse 12. We will learn about two kinds of destiny here. So that's basically the whole, um, the, 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 the latter part of Romans chapter 5. Is really going to be talking about destiny. All right, let's pray before we read verse 12. Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will come forth in power and simplicity and incline to your speech. Thank you, Lord, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for light that will be thrown and that will be shed abroad on your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men because all sinned. This verse lets us know why man is a sinner. Everything we are going to talk about now, that the last nine verses, it's going to be about destiny. It's going to be good. You know, before there was COVID-19, 
there was sin. And this is even deadlier than the virus. You know, the, 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 the former, which is the COVID-19, it only affects your earthly shell, right? But the latter, which is called sin, it affects your body because when sin affects your body, you will not partake of the resurrection. You will die in corruptibility and mortality. Sin also determines where your soul will rest. You know, whenever once people die, the first thing you're alright is rest in peace. You know. Sin determines where your soul will rest. Not everybody is really resting in peace, honestly. Sin will determine where your soul will rest. And I'm and, and one thing you have to know about this sin is that it deadens your spirit. COVID-19 has killed Christians, but it didn't touch their soul. It didn't touch their spirits. It just touched the earthly shell. As deadly as the disease is, uh, this is deadlier than what we are facing. I think we should be more afraid of sin than (laughs) COVID-19. Because COVID-19 can be kept with a vaccination. Can be kept with a vaccination. You take your vitamin D, vitamin C, you take oranges, you, you, you sanitize your hands. At least you are good to go. But show me the vaccination for sin. Or the hand sanitization for sin. There is, there is nothing like sanitizing your hands away from sin. Or sanitizing your hearts from that matter. There is nothing like that. Sin is deadlier. And I think Paul had to paint the bleak reality of sin so that we could appreciate the magnitude of our salvation and the cost at which salvation came. So sin came with death and death became a contagion. You see, the first worldwide pandemic was sin. Okay, In our era, the first worldwide pandemic is COVID-19. But before the world began, the first world vibe was sin. Even this pandemic, it didn't, you know that it didn't affect the entire world. There are 196 countries. 14 countries of this world have not been affected by COVID-19. They've all reported zero cases. Turkmenistan, uh, Tuvalu, you know, those countries in the Pacific Islands over there. None of them, they all have zero cases. Kiribati. You know, the first country that always enters into the new year is Kiribati, that small island, and Samoa, you know. All those places are zero cases. And even North Korea, so they say. Even that one is being doubted by the International News Agency because nobody really trusts uh, uh, Kim Jong. <laughs> Lil Kim, as they call him. Amen. But, you know, sin has affected the whole world. It has kept the whole world under siege. That's not very powerful. So sin has affected 196 countries of the world. It's a deadly sin. And, you know, COVID-19 has to do with, you know, enforcing certain rules for you not to accept, for you to not be affected. Sin, when you were born, you were a sinner. That's why we have the phenomenon born again. So sin has nothing to do with six feet distance. It has nothing to do with that. Once you are born into this world, you are a sinner. 
And that's why God made provision for born again. You have to be born from above or born again to be declared the righteousness of God. So sin became a contagion. And sin became a global pandemic because of one man. His name is Adam. Now let's look at verses 13 to 14. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him to come. Now, to understand verse 12 very well, you have to understand that there was the presence of sin with its consequence. You know, before the Lord came, the Lord technically came in Exodus chapter 20. So before Genesis chapter 1, right up to Exodus chapter 20, man's conscience became their moral compass. Everybody knew that they sinned. I mean, when Cain killed Abel, he knew he had done something wrong. There was no law. He knew he had done something wrong. When Abraham lied uh, to, the, to Pharaoh about Sarah, he knew he had sinned. But when the Bible says that for unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. What the Bible is trying to explain to us is the law credited sin to our accounts. It's made a decision. We didn't just have the conviction that we had sinned. We also became aware that we are sinners. So, before the law, people knew that they had sinned. People knew that what they had done was wrong. But when the law came, the law actually didn't just focus on our action. It focused on who we are. We are sinners. So, when we sin, what the law did was it credited the actions to our accounts. It scored us and it made us sinners. So, for unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. meant that we were now supposed to sort of not just have a mental accent of what we've done is wrong, but now we have to understand that we are sinners because the law is now scoring points against us. He said, when you read the Bible carefully, the law did not come for our side. The law was against us. The law came to point us that we were sinners. The law credited into our account that we are sinners. It didn't just say that, oh, you have murdered. It didn't just say that you have lied. It didn't just say that you have stolen. It now credits to your account that you have not just stole, you are a thief. You have not just murdered, you are a murderer. You have not just lied, you are a liar. That is what the law came to do. And the law had to bring us to that helplessness, that desperation, because it is only through that that we will come to the realization that we need a savior. So that is the good thing of the law. The good thing of the law is that it came to point us to a savior. So it had to make us aware of our actions and score points against us. That is why before the law, sin was not imputed. 
But it didn't mean that people did not have a realization that they had sinned. Of course, people knew that they had sinned. Throughout the whole Bible, people knew. That's why God could wash the earth during Noah's time with flood. But people knew. But now, the law became a scoremaster. It became a scoreboard. It now took points against us. Making us know that we are not just guilty of the action. We are actually that act. We are sinners. Amen. And verse 14 states that you don't have to sin like Adam. But you are still a sinner. So man is a sinner not because of action. Man is a sinner because of origin. That's the big thing you have to understand. I don't know how many of you do witnessing. You know, prior to the pandemic, I, I think... This year and last year are the only two years we haven't done personal outreach. Ever since we started the church, ever since I came to I came to year twenty forty, ever since I've we we've always done outreach on the streets, preaching to people about Christ, and it's very amazing. You will get to hear the different viewpoints of quote unquote a Christian country. You know they said America is a Christian country, so they say. Uh, don't deceive yourself. Go out and witness. You, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised at the viewpoints. Man is a sinner not because of action. Man is a sinner not because he's crossed the red light, not because he thinks of evil. Man is a sinner because of origin. We were destiny's child, or we are, we are all destiny's children because of Adam. Because of one man's sin, all of us sin. And it doesn't even sound fair. I mean, when I read about this, I'm like, that's not really fair. I, I wasn't there when Adam committed the sin. How come the transgression has now tra- uh, um, be, be transgenerational even to me? That's not fair. But that is the reality. So, man is a sinner, not by action. Man is a sinner by origin. We are all sons of Adam. We are all descendants of Adam. We all come from the human race. And because we all came from the human race, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. David once said something. You know, David was a product of an amorous relationship. You know, David's father, who was called Jesse, did not really marry David's mom. And perhaps, you know, some Bible commentators say maybe that's why David and his father did not really get along very well. Because you think about it. You send your son to go and be a shepherd. Like you have seven sons. Which of them will you send to be a shepherd? It's normally the firstborn, not the lastborn. You don't send the lastborn to be a shepherd. Uh, this guy, they didn't like him. Even Samuel, for him to even anoint that, um, Jesse's family, he had to have word of knowledge that you have a son. Because when Jesse was calling all his sons, he called just six of them. He didn't call David. So it really showed that David and Jesse, probably the relationship was not a great one. I mean, you think about it. Your, your, your last born son comes and tells you, Dad, Today, when I went to work, I saw a lion. <laughs> but thanks be to God, I was able to kill the lion. Then he will come and report to you again. I saw a bear. 
If you are a good father, will you not say, look, you are no longer going to be a shepherd boy from today. Business close. But despite these testimonies, he was still a shepherd. You think about it. I'm sure most of you are parents here. If your child comes and reports to you that I met a lion on these streets, <laughs> then, then the next two weeks come and tell I met a bear. That's David's situation. He met a bear, he met a lion. They actually attacked the sheep and he was able to kill them and take the sheep out of both captors. But David says something very interesting in Psalm 51 verse 5. He says that in sin was I conceived and I was brought forth in iniquity. Talking about the amorous relationship he found himself in. He's a product of an amorous relationship. But actually, if you look at this carefully, that's all of us. All of us were conceived in sin and all of us were brought forth in iniquity because of Adam. So man is a sinner. You are a man-made sinner. You are a born sinner. You didn't have to do, you didn't even have to do even one act. That's why you don't teach a child to lie. You, you never teach a child to lie. A child may never be able to even say too many syllables, but it can lie. Can you imagine? You know what I mean? You don't, have to, you don't have to teach anybody to sin. It's part and natural of us because of the progenitor of the human race in Adam. But there is hope. There's a beautiful thing. I like how Paul painted the bleak reality of our past. And not just our past. Because it's also the bleak reality of some people's presence. That's what you have to understand. It's our past, but for some people, it's their present reality today. They are sinners, which is dangerous. And they have been condemned to death. And death here only doesn't have to do with cessation of life. It also, it also has to do with Separation from God. Verse 15 to 16. But the free gift is not like the offense. Oh, thanks be to God for the free gift. The Bible says that the free gift is not like the offense. So now we see two forces here. We see what is called the free gift and we see what is called the offense. What is the offense? The offense is through one man, death entered the world and it came by sin. That is the offense. All of us at one point, if all of us are Christians, that was our past. We all had this contagion, which is more disastrous than COVID-19. It came upon us that no matter what we did, our destination was death. When we die, death will take captive over us. And number two, we are separated from God. But now Apostle Paul is saying that the free gift. So now, what is the free gift? Apostle Paul explains it in verses 15 to 16. It's not like the offense. For if by one man's offense, many died, much more. I like one thing about God. God never does anything in comparison to the devil. Anything that God does is much more, greater 
on a higher, greater scale, much more. So today, think of the word much more. The grace of God and the gifts by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned. For the judgment which came through the one who sinned. I'm sorry. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. This is powerful. So right here, we see that man is not just judge when you are a sinner, but you are also condemned. So the force of sin enters your life by one man. The force of condemnation enters your life through one man. And the force of death. Three forces are released. And the Bible calls this the offense. It's offensive. I don't think it's fair. Honestly. But we are all descendants of the human race. And because of one man, many were made sinners. But now, Paul juxtaposes the offense with the free gifts. And in Paul's assertion, he talks about some things that's interesting. The free gift came in the package of a person. The free gift. It's not a virtue. It came in the form of a person. The Bible lets us know he was equal with God. Had all the attributes of God. All the qualities of God. The same breath of God. Yet, he considered it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and came as a man. You know, Jesus is not a man, but because of the sacrifice, he had to be a man. And why did he have to become a man? Because it took one man to make the whole world sinners. It was also going to take a man to make the whole world righteous. And that is why Jesus had to descend and demote himself and take on the form of a man. You know, when you read the book of Revelation, the, the one who wrote it is called John. He was the same guy that wrote the, the gospel of John. You know, he knew Jesus after the man of man. He saw him in his 30s, knew his father, knew his mother. You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross, Jesus says that, mother, no, Jesus even never called his mother, mother. He, he always called him woman. Woman, behold thy son. Then he told John, son, behold thy mother. So John really knew the family of Jesus. He knew Jesus. I mean, he saw Jesus died. I'm sure he could describe Jesus' earthly visage. You know, when you read First John, he also wrote First John. He said, the word of life, I handled them with my hands. The first four verses, I handled him. With, with, I saw him in the flesh. I handled them with my hands. John knew the earthly visage of Jesus. But you know the interesting thing? 
When you read Revelation chapter 1, when he saw Jesus in his glory, in his splendor, in his majestic appearance, John became afraid. This same John who lied on the bosom of Jesus, when he saw, said, wow, was this the man I was lying at? The Bible said that he became afraid. Read the first chapter of Revelation. And Jesus looked at him and says, I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. So Jesus coming as the son of Mary, Jesus being called Jesus of Nazareth was really a demotion. That was not really him. He really watered down his appearance. Watered down his appearance and he became a man of no comeliness. That was the price. The free gifts. It came in the form of the man Jesus Christ. And with the free gift was also introduced the force of grace. And the force of justification. And what is justification? To understand justification, I always say you have to understand Righteousness. What's justification? Justification is the state of being declared righteous. What is righteousness? I always explain. Righteousness is God righting your wrong that you are able to stand in front of God, man, and the devil without any sense of guilt because all your sins have been acquitted and you are free of condemnation. That is righteousness. The state of being declared righteous is called justification. So the free gift introduced the force of justification, the force of grace, and it invited us into the person, the man Jesus Christ. And if you want to know who Jesus really is, read Revelation. That's who Jesus really is. The Jesus that we see in the Gospels from Matthew to John is a demoted version. Because he is not a man, yet he had to become a man so that he will be able to deliver mankind from the pandemic. That's the real pandemic. This is 196 out of one. There are 196 countries. This is 196 out of 196. The whole race, the whole country, the whole population, they were affected. It was going to take a man. It wasn't going to take a divine being but it was going to take a human being to get us out. Because it is through one man that man became sinners. Amen? I love it. Let's continue with verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Wow. This free gift has afforded to us the abundance of grace. You know, when you look at grace in this context, it means undeserved kindness. This free gift has afforded to us the abundance of undeserved kindness. Do you know that when you come into Christianity, you have entered into a realm of the abundance of undeserved kindness? Are you aware of that? Undeserved kindness. Not just kindness, but kindness that is without merit. That is your portion. We have come into the era of an abundance, not a shortage, abundance of undeserved kindness. This is the free gifts. The free gift has afforded us that. That's why when you are a Christian, when you are living by condemnation, 
you haven't yet understood the love of God very well and probably you haven't yet understood salvation very well because the Bible lets us know straight up in this scripture that for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ I'm here to tell you if you receive the free gift and the free gift is the man Jesus when you receive the man Jesus who is known as the free gift you receive the abundance of grace which is the abundance of undeserved kindness and the gift of righteousness and tell me a Christian who can be stopped when he understands that I have received to my account righteousness and the abundance of undeserved kindness the devil has lost hold over him because one of the ways the devil can have hold over saved Christians is condemnation and shame condemnation guilt and shame most anointed people who have had a scandal who have maybe fallen these are the three things they are always fighting with condemnation guilt and shame but if you understand the abundance of undeserved kindness and the gift of righteousness oh the bible say you will reign in life through jesus christ and when we are talking about reigning in life here it's future it's not it's talking about after the resurrection not presently in this life i have exercised this text wrongly before very you know in my previous times whenever i preach this text because i talk about when you have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness you reign in life through christ jesus i mean when you reign in life it means you'll be the head and not the tail you know i exegeted it wrongly you know my past assertion said this time i preach this but when you look at this scripture really in context and you study it in the light of god's word what reigning in life actually means is that you will reign in the hereafter. That is after the resurrection. That's what it's talking about. So it's talking about a future thing. It's not talking about something we are presently experiencing. This is something that we will experience in the hereafter. That is after the resurrection. After we have received glorified bodies. After we have partake, we have partaken of the resurrection. The next thing that will happen on the agenda is that we will reign with Christ in a new heaven and in a new earth forever and ever. Amen. That's why I'm enjoying um, the Saturday Bible study by Pastor Robert. He's teaching on the book of Revelation. So any of you, um, if you are free, um, let's make time and attend. You'll be blessed. Amen powerful and he talks about that a lot so if you want to understand more on that see him amen all right now let's wrap up tonight's study with the last three verses therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men results resulting in condemnation even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life for as by one man's obedience 
Many were made sinners, so as by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad that our destiny has changed from death to reigning in life with Christ? It has changed because we have experienced the free gifts. Now, Paul is closing by doing a comparative analysis between the offense and the free gift. The offense was introduced through one man's disobedience. So now let's look at the offense, then we will look at the free gifts. And that's all in the, in the three verses I just read. The offense was intru- introduced through one man's disobedience, and it resulted in judgment to all men. What was the judgment? We are all sinners. We are on our way to hell. We will experience death. For the wages of sin is death. The second thing that the offense introduced according to the three verses we read was condemnation. We were condemned because we were sinners. We are guilty. We are under the cruel whiplash of the enemy. Because we are guilty. You know, there are two things that will condemn a sinner. The law and the devil. The devil will have a field day with you when you are a sinner. And the law will also have a field day with you when you are a sinner. Number three, the offense introduced our real person. And what was our real person? We are sinners. And number four, the, the offense introduced our destination, which was death. Do you understand? So, the offense was introduced through one man's disobedience. It resulted in judgment to all men, condemnation. It introduced our real person. So, maybe you may say, oh, I'm called Stephen of Bedi. But your real person is you are a sinner. That's your real person. And your destination, your destiny. You know, sometimes people outside Christ want to find their destiny. What is my destiny? Let me read the stars. Let me read this. Let me find out from a palm reader. Well, if you, you can find out all these things, and they will say things, you will prosper, you will make it, but your real destiny, the end of it all is death. With all your money, with all your achievements, with everything you have, your destiny is death. Your destiny's child, death. Now, on the other hand, the free gift was introduced through one man's righteous act. And we all know that one man's righteous act. That is why we celebrated Easter, the beginning of the month. And it introduced to us justification of life. We have been justified. We've been declared righteous. It introduced to us grace, undeserved kindness, unmerited favor. The general definition of grace is unmerited favor. But we have received every blessing that this word grace has to offer, including undeserved kindness. Number three, it introduced to us righteousness. That is our state. 
You see? So it might be cost enough for real baby. But God sees you as righteous. That's who you are. That is your state. And then it introduced to us eternal life. What a blessing. That one day, when this end of this age occurs, I get to live another life in the hereafter. And that is, I will reign with him forever and ever. So, on the other hand, the free gift was introduced through one man's righteous act, and it resulted in justification of life, grace, righteousness, and eternal life. And Paul did this comparative analysis between the offense and the free gift. What is the offense? Death came through sin because of one man's disobedience. And what is the free gift? The free gift is Jesus coming into the picture. And because of his righteous act, we have received justification, which will result in the end goal of us receiving eternal life. That is, we will reign with Christ forever and ever. Now, there is a common denominator between these two powerful forces. I'm sorry, forces. It is available to all men. If you read verse 18, the Bible lets us know that, therefore, as through one man's offense came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So the common denominator between the free gifts and the offense is that it's available to all men. All men. Salvation or sin doesn't discriminate. It has come to all men. Salvation has come to all men. Salvation has not come to a privileged few. Salvation has come to all men. Salvation didn't just come to the Jews. It came to the whole world. Because that is also what sin did. Sin came to the whole world. It came to the whole world that it affected everybody that you didn't even have to do even one evil act. The fact that you were born and you came out of the descendancy of the human race, you are a sinner. You have experienced death. You have experienced condemnation. But likewise, this gift, which was made possible by one man's righteous act, Jesus, has also affected all men. And that is why, as Christians, when we hear this message, our voices need to resonate loud with the gospel and let people know that salvation has come to all men. All men. So we've been delivered from a pandemic. A pandemic which was sending the whole world to hell. We were on an express train route to hell. But thanks be to God for the free gifts. Which stopped the train on the, in its tracks and diverted the course. So that when we believe in that one man, we become the righteousness of God, which will result in eternal life. So, 
today when you are sleeping, thank God for being so loving. Thank him. This scripture to me really encapsulates the love of God. Thank God for Jesus that he came. Because if he didn't come and humble himself to become like a man, none of this would be possible. Nobody likes to be demoted. Who likes to be demoted? Nobody. Have you ever been at work and they said, we are going to reduce your roles and responsibilities? You start to have a frown on your face because you know definitely it's going to affect your paycheck, right? That's a nice way of saying you've been demoted. They will not tell you you've been demoted. They will just say, oh, we just want to reduce your roles and responsibilities. Because you are not needed at such a time as this. That, that's it. They will just look for a nice word. What they are meaning to tell you is that you've been demoted. And if you've been demoted, it will affect your pay packets. Nobody likes to be demoted. Christ availed himself to be demoted. Thank God that Jesus came. Thank God for the cross. And you are sleeping tonight. Because that was the price for bearing all our sin and shame. Thank God for his grace. Today, you and I, we are recipients of God's abundant grace. Abundance of unmerited favor. Abundance of goodwill. Abundance of loving kindness. Abundance of favor. Why? Because he came. Thank God for his grace. Thank God that you are declared righteous at the expense of a life laid down. You see, for me to be called the righteousness of God, for you to be called the righteousness of God, it came at the expense of bloodshed. It came at the expense of a light laid down. And finally, thank God for your destiny. Today, you know your destiny. Never refer to the horoscope again. Never refer to the palm rebellion. You know your destiny. And what is your destiny? You will reign with Christ in the hereafter. I'm done for tonight. Next week, we start chapter 6. Now, with Paul talking about this, that we have become the recipients of God's abundance of undeserved kindness, I think the next question that will be in your mind is that, what about sin? And that's what we will deal with in chapter 6. So chapter 6, Paul is going to deal with sin. Now that I have experienced the abundance of God's undeserved kindness, now that I have received the gift of righteousness, now that I have come to a place where God is not imputing sins against me and I will not live in condemnation, what about sin? And we'll answer that next week in chapter 6. Amen. Down for tonight. The floor is open for any questions or contributions. God bless you. I have four minutes on the clock, so if we have anything to say, let's make it quick. Otherwise, I'll just wrap up and close. So, well, I, I have a question. Okay. So, um, it's, it's about reigning in life if you're a Christian. 
some Christians have um, extreme views about this particular issue. Some people think that um, if you're a believer, then all your reward or all the benefits that you're going to have or you're going to receive is in the afterlife. And some people also take the other extreme, saying that um, um, you, you are everything has to work for you, nothing has to work against you. So um, when it comes to the issue of reigning life, why do we strike the balance? Should we have expectation of Christians in this life and in the afterlife? Okay, reigning in life in this context here talks about in the afterlife so that that's it. i don't i don't think i can strike a balance when it comes to romans chapter 5 context here however when it comes to the general spectrum of reigning in life what should be the christian's position of course we are supposed to succeed and we are supposed to excel you know we we, we are not pitting that against each other we are just looking at context that, that, that's it. So when it comes to life, I really believe that a Christian also has to excel. You know, um, When you read the New Testament particularly, you find something amazing. The New Testament is very silent about prosperity and the physical welfare of a believer. Very silent. Every blessing that the New Testament talks about, is all, it always has to do with a spiritual thing, something in the hereafter. But when you read the Old Testament, everything that talks about blessing has to do with what they experienced in life and on this earth. Like Abraham, Daniel, David, so, so, and so. So I think as a Christian, we can marry both of them. But we have to be careful not to develop an extreme view of both of them. Do you understand? Yes, thank you very much. All right. So... Can one person sum up what we've learned for tonight? We have one minute on the clock. What did you learn tonight? I learned that there are two destinies. One, um, destined to death. And that was, that was what we were before we became Christians. And now that we are Christians, now we are destined to reign with Christ in the afterlife. And so because of what Christ did, because of one man, um, Adam, sin came into the world, we were all sinners. It had nothing to do with what we did. And in that same vein, or even much more, um, because of um, Christ's um, righteousness, we are also declared righteous. We've been justified. And so um, we have, we've been declared guilt-free, sin-free. When we stand before God, all that he sees is what Christ did for us on the cross. And because of that, we are, we are destined to, um, to live forever. Amen. Amen.
Good one. Awful. Amen. Father, we thank you for being loving. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace we have received. We thank you for our destiny that will reign with you in the afterlife. Thank you, Lord. We pray that may this be at the forefront of our minds. May this be written on the tables of our hearts. May we get these truths around the loins of our minds and may we walk with them. May we bind them as frontlets in between our eyes, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, for such a love as this. May we continue to have a great revelation on who you truly are and that's your nature of love. Bless your holy name for today. We thank you that these truths will shift our paradigm in our Christian walk of faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you guys. I wanna, I wanna do a quick announcement. All right. Uh, God willing, can you all see? Can you all see? No. All right. I don't know what's happened again. Can you see it now? No. Let me try it again. Um, the announcement at hand is that we'll be having our faith convention with Pastor Frank Amwaku Jampa. And uh, we, we have this program with you in mind. I believe, number one, God really wants us to have this program. And number two, for the wealth of the church. I think if there's one of the important subjects we all have to understand is faith. There's a reason why the word faith is written four times in the Bible. Habakkuk 2, 4. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith, the just shall four times. So we want to use these two days, three sessions, uh, to have the opportunity to ground ourselves in the word of faith. And we are very honored to have Pastor Frank Jumper, who will be our speaker uh, for those two days. We'll be having three sessions um, the first session will be from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. That will be on first May. The second session will be 7 p.m. to 8.15. And the third session will be 10 a.m. to 11.30. Amen. Uh, after this weekend will be the fifth convention. And please, I want to see everybody here. Let's all patronize the program and let's learn. Amen. Um, Pastor Frank has made available his time. He's busy and he wants to be a blessing. So let's also honor him by being present. So I will, I will admonish that all of us, let's all make it a point to be here. We'll have three sessions. So two sessions on Saturday and one session on Sunday. That's our Sunday service. And I believe we are going to have a great time 
I know Pastor Frank very well. Pastor Frank is great. I mean, everybody has subject areas they are very good at. And I believe one of the, the subjects he teaches with precision and with much skill is on the subject of faith. And he's also a word of faith preacher, so um, he has it all. So he will be here. He will be a blessing. Our, our admonister, all of us will be here to support the program and also receive what God has for us through him. Amen. Good night, guys.